Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review, but most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Say Hey Podcast. You are now officially listening to episode 21. Welcome back. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show of this podcast, and hopefully that's not a deal breaker for you. Folks, just like last week, I'm going to be giving grades to Giants players, but today they are going to be all the Giants pitchers, starting pitchers, and relief pitchers combined. If you listened to last week's show, then you would have heard me give grades, individual grades, to the top 10 Giants hitters, and we're going to be doing that today here as well. But before we do that, we have some news and notes from around our team. Yes, Brandon Belt is a finalist, actually, for a gold glove, and he is the only Giants that ended up being a finalist. That's fine. Whatever. I'm not bitter. I don't know how many amazing plays you need to see Yaws make in right field in order for him to be considered, but hey, I'm just a guy that talks about Giants baseball. Anyways, moving on to the show. So... Just like last week, I'm going to be starting with the worst grades, and then I'm going to be working up to the best grades. So you're going to want to make sure you stick around and listen to the best grades because it's going to be good. All right, moving on to the first pitcher, and that's going to be Sam Coonrod. Let me just say that I truly believe that Coonrod has a tremendously high ceiling in terms of his career, but that's if he figures out how to control his 100 miles per hour fastball. That's right. The flamethrower is fun to watch and he's very electric, but the numbers don't really suggest that. In the month of September, Coonrod had an ERA of 15.95 in 10 outings. And don't even get me started on the doubleheader game against San Diego during the last series of the season. Coonrod could really be a special weapon out of this bullpen, but there's still a lot to work on and that needs to be done here. At this point, I think he is anything but reliable. For that reason, and based off his unpredictable and inconsistent performance, I'm going to be giving him a C-. Another pitcher that gets a C- in my book is Mr. Logan Webb. That's right. Webb was able to find spurts of success here and there, especially during the beginning of the season when he produced a 3.29 ERA after his first six starts of the season. And four of those starts being against the Dodgers, Astros, Rockies, and A's. But for the most part, Webb was average to a little bit underwhelming as his 5.47 ERA would suggest. I'm not really sure what the future holds for Webb, depending on who the Giants sign in the offseason. Webb might be used out of the bullpen like he was during the end of the year, or he can keep his spot as the number five starter in this rotation. Either way, I don't really see the Giants parting ways with him because he is young, and in these days, there's always room for improvement when you're young, especially when it's your, only your second season. So, Logan Webb gets a C-. All right, moving on to the C-plus grades. Trevor Gott, yes, he gets a C-plus in my book. 
leading up to the infamous meltdown that will fo- that will forever be ingrained in our memory. Trevor Gott was showcasing a 1.50 ERA in six outings with three strikeouts, and he had four saves leading up to those infamous, infamously horrible games. Kapler had already come out and stated that he wants Gott to be in the conversation of candidates when it comes to the ninth inning, and he also expressed that Gott might not have had the confidence needed for that type of role. I'm not really sure what happened to Gott this year, but he did deal with injuries this year, so maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not really sure. All I know is that Gott is part of the future bullpen plans, and we will just have to wait and see how he pans out during a full season and a season where he's healthy. Okay, the next pitcher moving on up the grades. Trevor Cahill. Cahill started off the season hot when he produced a 2.65 ERA and struck out 20 batters in his first 17 innings pitched, including a start against Arizona when he struck out 8 batters and only surrendered 1 run in 5 innings. But his season was limited mainly due to injury, and towards the end of the season, Cahill transitioned to the bullpen full-time once Drew Smiley came off the DL. I'm sure if Cahill was healthier, he would have been utilized more, but he was never able to get through the sixth inning as a starter this year. But as we just saw, he did find some success. He finished the season with a 3.24 ERA, and I have a feeling the Giants won't be bringing him back this year, mainly due to age and injury concerns. But for his 2020 season, I'm going to be giving him a C+. All right. Moving on to the next starting pitcher, and that's going to be Mr. Tyler Anderson. 2020 was a little bit of of a conflicting year for Anderson. He finished the 2020 season with a 4.37 ERA, but that doesn't illustrate the fact that Anderson was productive at times, but not the most consistent. Once Jeff Samarja went down with an injury, Anderson pretty much became a full-time starter for the rest of the season. The reason why I say the year was conflicting for Anderson is because if you look at the starts, you can see that he performed very well when he faced a team for the first time, but it then looked like teams were able to make adjustments easily against him when they faced him for a second time and sometimes even a third time. For example, if you look at his outings against Arizona, which honestly is really crazy because he had three consecutive starts against Arizona. That sounds like a nightmare, having to face the same team three times in a row. But anyways, his first outing against the Diamondbacks, he pitched nine innings, only gave up three hits, one run, and four strikeouts. It was his first complete game of his entire career, the Giants would go on to win. Second time against the Diamondbacks, however, was 4.2 innings pitched, 9 hits, and 7 earned runs. And then the third time, the third consecutive time against AZ, he only went 4 innings pitched again, gave up 7 hits, and 4 earned runs. Then, if you look at the games against Seattle, you can see the first game against the Mariners, he went 6 innings pitched, only gave up 3 hits, 0 earned runs, and 4 strikeouts. The second time against Seattle, however, two innings pitched, four earned runs. Then you can look at the teams where he faced only once, and you can see against the Oakland A's, he went 5.2 innings pitched, only gave up four hits, zero earned runs, and four strikeouts. Then against his only outing against Colorado, his former team, he went five innings pitched, only gave up two hits, zero earned runs, and three strikeouts. So like I said, he definitely was able to find success throughout the season. It just wasn't the most consistent success. So for that, I'm going to be giving Tyler Anderson a B-. minus. Now, 
Someone else that gets a B minus, and maybe honestly, I'm grading him too high based off his performance this year, but that's right. I'm going to be giving Johnny Cueto a B minus. Cueto finished the year with a 5.40 ERA, and that ERA honestly illustrates his season very well. It was definitely an interesting year for Cueto because you honestly had no idea what type of performance you would be getting from him every time he stepped onto that mound. Luckily, though, the Giants' offense was able to bail him out a lot of the times when they gave him the run support, but if he was on a different team, I feel like Cueto would be definitely the number four or five starter. I will say, though, the shimmies that he has do make it possible for him to being a competitive pitcher in this league because it definitely keeps opposing hitters off balance. But other than that, Cueto does not have the electric stuff he once did all those years ago. He will occasionally hit 94 miles per hour with his fastball, but for the most part, he's sitting around 91, 92. And Cueto did have great games against Arizona, but against teams that are con- that had considerably better offenses like the Dodgers, Padres, and Rockies, Cueto definitely struggled a lot, which is why I'm giving him a B minus. Another B minus, and I was gonna say, no, that's not our first reliever. That's our one, two. Well, depending on if you count Cahill as a reliever. Okay, this is a our fourth reliever, third reliever on the board, and that's gonna be Sam Selman. Now, throughout the year, Sam Selman had one job and one job only, and that was to throw his nasty slider. And that's exactly what he did. Selman threw his slider 59% of the time and his four-seam fastball 40% of the time. And he was primarily used for lefty-lefty matchups. This year, hitters could only produce a 1-2A batting average against his slider. and So I definitely say that Selman got the job done. Selman produced a 3.72 ERA in 19.1 innings pitch, but he was definitely effective in the situations he was most used in. The best comparison I have for Sam Selman is Darren Ruff. And what I mean by that is that Darren Ruff was good in the way that he was used and in the situations that he was used. And the same goes for Sam Selman. In the very, very specific situation that Selman was used, he was successful. He was good. He's not one of the biggest names in our bullpen. He's not one of the go-to options. But when it comes to the precise, exact situation, Sam Selman does his job well. All right, moving on to the next reliever we have on the list, and that's Mr. Uh, Wandy Peralta. Wandy Peralta is someone I'd call the unsung, the unsung hero, tongue twister. He's the offensive lineman that does his job so well, but doesn't get really that much recognition, and nobody really knows his name. Well, that's my job today, to help you all realize just how good Wandy Peralta is. The way Wandy was used this year was kind of a long reliever, considering that he pitched 27 innings and he was one of Gabe Kapler's go-to options, but he performed very well, especially during the second half of the season. On the year, Wandy finished with a 3.29 ERA, but from August 18th through September 26th, so that's more than a month's time, he pitched 18 innings, and during that time, Wandy would only give up one run and produced an ERA of 0.48. His brightest moments came in the month of September when he pitched 11 straight consecutive innings of shutout baseball to finish off the year, including an outing when he pitched three scoreless innings against Seattle and did not give up a single run or hit and struck out three. Wandy is just another lethal left-handed arm Kapler gets to use in this bullpen. And for that reason, I'm going to be giving Wandy a B. All right, moving on to the next pitcher, and that's going to be Mr. Sean Anderson. 
Now, this is another player whose ERA doesn't illustrate how well they performed at different times throughout the season. But with that to say, Anderson still finished the season with a very good ERA of 3.52, but he was particularly good during the month of September. During that month, Anderson made five different appearances, and during those outings, he did not give up a single run, and he only gave up two hits and struck out seven batters. Towards the end of August, Anderson was sent down to the alternate training site, but was then recalled back up midway through September. And once he was recalled, he was absolutely lights out. I'm not sure what happened during his time at the training site, but all I know is that he was a force to be reckoned with when he came back because nobody could touch his stuff. And because of how well he performed towards the end of the season, I'm going to be giving him a B+. Another reliever that gets a B plus, and that's going to be Tony Watson. And the best way to describe Tony Watson, in my opinion, is old reliable. And although I don't mean to insult him by referencing his age, he was the oldest member of the Giants bullpen, and he was, in fact, also the most reliable. Heading into the last series of the season against San Diego, Watson was showcasing an ERA of 0.53, and opponents were only producing a batting average of 148 against him. However, in back-to-back outings against the Padres, Watson did give up a combined four earned runs, which only boosted his ERA on the year to 2.50. So that should give you a strong indication at how well he performed throughout the rest of the season. Watson is now a free agent, and I honestly don't really expect the Giants to go after him in the offseason, mainly because of the weapons I will talk about later in the episode. And plus, I feel like an established veteran such as Watson might want to sign with a team that has a better shot at making the postseason. All right, we are now officially out of the B category, and we are going to be moving on to the players that, in my opinion, deserved a letter A grade. Moving on to the first one, and that's going to be Caleb Berger. Now, from August 6th through August 12th, Berger appeared three different times in those six days. Now, during those three appearances, Berger managed to give up eight earned runs. However, over his next 14 appearances, the rookie left-handed hard thrower managed to not give up a single run. Berger is a very, very unique pitcher because he primarily only depends on his fastball. I mean, he threw that pitch 75% of the time to opposing hitters, and it definitely proved to be enough because opposing hitters can only produce a 209 batting average against that pitch. Well, then you might be thinking to yourself, quote, well, he must be throwing 98, 99, 100 miles per hour with him depending on a single pitch so much. And I'm actually here to tell you that the crazy thing is that his fastball actually sits around 94, 95, maybe 96 range. The reason why his fastball is so effective is because the spin is so hard to pick up when you're when you're an opposing hitter. If you go back and look at some of the highlights during this season, you can see that hitters are so late against his fastball, but he's only throwing like 95 around their miles per hour. It's honestly a thing of beauty to see how a pitcher could be so successful when he's only throwing one pitch. So... For how well he performed after those terrible outings all the way in the beginning of August, I'm going to be giving Caleb Berger an A-. All right, moving on to not only my favorite pitcher, but he was also one of my favorite players throughout this season, and that's going to be Mr. Kevin Gosman. 
Now, Kevin Gosman very well might have been the most entertaining pitcher to watch during the 2020 season. His electric 97-mile-per-hour fastball paired with his 85-mile-per-hour split finger was the perfect strikeout recipe, which is definitely what he became known for during the 2020 season. I've mentioned it before on this show, but in the month of August, Gosman collected 38 strikeouts in five starts, including 11 on August 15th against the Oakland A's. However, the reason why Gosman, in my opinion, gets an A- instead of an A+, is because of his inability to keep the ball in the park for a good portion of the season. Yes, unfortunately, along with collecting a lot of strikeouts, Gosman also gave up a lot of home runs. He gave up five home runs and five starts in August and gave up eight total home runs on the year. But he did, however, seem to figure out how to make an adjust adjustment because over his last four appearances, Gosman produced a 1.89 ERA while striking out 26 batters over 19 innings and did not give up a single home run during that time. For that reason, like I said, I'm going to be giving Kevin Gosman an A-. All right, everybody, we only have two pitchers left, and one of those two is going to be Jarlin Garcia. The extremely affected lefty reliever finished the year with a 0.49 ERA in 18.1 innings, which also means he only gave up one earned run all year. What's even more impressive is that opposing hitters can only produce a 180 batting average against him, and Garcia is the third piece of the three-headed lefty monster that the Giants have in their bullpen, and the other two pieces are Berger and Sam Selman. And I think it's safe to say that if Tony Watson does decide to sign with another team, he won't be leaving a hole in the bullpen. Garcia made a significant change to his arsenal as soon as he came to the Giants. In 2019, he was on the Marlins, and Garcia only threw his four-seam fastball 40% of the time, and batters were able to produce a 286 batting average against it. In 2020, however, Jarlin threw his fastball 48.6%, so pretty much almost 50%, and warranted a 111 batting average against opposing hitters. The increase in fastball usage obviously was able to set up his 82-mile-per-hour slider, which is also very, very nasty, and ultimately kept the hitters off balance. In my opinion, I think Garcia is one of the most valuable weapons in the Giants bullpen, and for what he did this year, I'm going to be giving him an A. All right, folks, the very last pitcher, you probably can guess it by now, is going to be Drew Smiley. In the little time that he did pitch, Smiley was simply immaculate. In his only start in the month of August, Smiley pitched four innings, only gave up two earned runs, but he also struck out seven batters. Smiley then unfortunately ended up going on the DL for a good portion of the season, so fast forward to his first appearance back from the DL on September 10th, Smiley pitched four innings of relief and struck out eight San Diego hitters and only gave up two hits in that game. And of course, during the last game of the season, Smiley faced San Diego again and struck out 10 batters in five innings while only giving up two earned runs. Smiley would go on to finish the season with a 3.42 ERA and struck out 42 batters and 26 innings pitch, which set him on pace to collect at least 240 strikeouts over a full-length season. Like Gosman, Smiley had a high-velocity fastball, but his bread and butter was his devastating knee-buckling curveball that could oftentimes reach the low speed of 78 miles per hour. 
And also, like Gosman, Smiley has already expressed interest in wanting to re-sign with the Giants, and the Giants have already expressed their interest to re-sign them. So if the Giants can somehow figure out how to sign both of one, both of these guys once they figure out their budget, then our pitching rotation will definitely have a solid base with these two studs. So for how well Smiley was and how effective he was in the short time that he was able to perform this season, I'm going to be giving Drew Smiley an A. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for today's show, episode 21 of the Say Hey Podcast. Hopefully you stuck around for the entire show to hear all of the good rankings and grades. I know it's a little bit controversial to give the second best grade to a relief pitcher, but Jarlin Garcia, in my opinion, really was that effective. In hindsight, Kevin Gosman definitely by far... You can make an argument of him being the best pitcher in our rotation, and I honestly would not try hard to argue with you. I think over the course of a full season, it's going to be tough. I think I choose Kevin Gosman over Drew Smiley simply because Kevin Gosman has the higher velocity on his fastball. But hey, I'm just happy that we could potentially have Kevin Gosman and Drew Smiley back on our team. Folks, thanks again for stopping by the Say Hey Podcast. I'm your host, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And you can find the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a review and a rating if you feel so inclined on Apple Podcasts. But honestly, just coming back to the show every week is enough for me. Folks, I'm always grateful for the support that you show every week. Because without you as listeners, there definitely would not be a show. Keep staying safe out there, everybody, and more importantly, keep staying smart out there, and also don't forget to vote. The election is right around the corner. And the last thing I'll say is I'm going to be posting another episode on Tuesday, as I've been doing for the past, I think, four or five weeks now since the Giants season has ended. I've only been posting once a week, and it's on Tuesdays. All right, folks, see you again next week, same time, same place, and go Giants.